Good morning and welcome to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast, where things are always exciting, and if they're not, we freaking make them exciting. Sun is always shining, and even if the clouds are looming overhead, we park just fucking clouds. In traffic, we, we're freaking moving in traffic, we're freaking marking time, we're idling, we're ready to freaking pull ahead, the time that we can accelerate, like hopefully within, sometime within the next 10 minutes of these anuses in front of me, freaking dump trucks everywhere. Hey, you know what I mean? You just gotta friggin' drive on, laugh at some of this feces. It's Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. What's going on today? Listen, I got a little podcast and try to maybe 10, 15 minutes here on my way into the office. I need to, I need to complete this one. I have tried on about five occasions now to put into words how I feel about this situation, which it's a bummer, but I think it's nonetheless important to address, very, very important subject matter. And it is one that has to do with addiction. That is our our theme. You know, everybody's got their poison. Some people drink, some people smoke, some people do drugs, illicit or otherwise, prescription. Some people stress, some people eat, some people stress and eat. Some people abuse other people. Some people work. They work themselves to death. There are all varying degrees, different types and varieties of addiction that we are all subject to. Some of the big ones involve substances, I think. Dare I say the most widespread addiction that we have right now is to alcohol. I happen to have some experience in this area growing up in my little working class town in New Jersey. Booze, you know, everybody's dad had a 12-pack under their arm heading home from work. It was a it was the thing to do. And you know, in these little coastal towns, people kind of, you know, they, they, they've had their fill of that whole, uh, it's five o'clock somewhere deal. Um, they're very familiar with that to the point where, you know, the deal is you work your ass off and then you, know, you work hard and you play hard. Then when you're done working, you freaking hit the beach or you hang out by the barbecue and shoot the shit with your friends and neighbors. And, and this is what life amounts to. You know, th- this is the rhythm. I've seen it. I've lived it myself. Um, I grew up in family. My father, he was one of these people. He, he led the charge. You know, He was a quiet, hard worker. All he wanted to do at the end of the day was sit and play with his dogs and drink some beer. And he drank a lot of beer. He drank beer like Genesee Cream Ale, the old Jenny Cream Ale, and Ballantine Ale. Oftentimes there would be a smaller pint-sized bottle of Seagram 7 or Captain Morgan or whatever also placed on top of the refrigerator. And so this would be a method to find a peaceful place and just forget. Forget about the slings and arrows of work and life and paying bills and all that shit and just give him an opportunity, just a a painless place for a few hours, just an overnight, 
And next morning, you wake up real early, freaking pot of coffee, brewing. You head off to work, you bust your ass, you sweat through your clothes, and you come home through your shit in the laundry. And when you take that clothing, that your work clothes off, throw it in the laundry pile, and you put on your freaking jean shorts or whatever the hell, some sort of comfy clothing, you sit out by the pool, have a few beers, sit in front of the TV doing the same. You arrive at a very comfortable place. You just you just want a break. And I think this is what all of us just, just want and need. Just a break from the rat race. To step out of the swiftest current of life sometimes and have a beer. And, and one side of me, I, man, I love to do that myself. That's how I lived for, you know, 20 years of my life, I guess. I'm 43 now. I ascribe to the same, the same tempo, the same poisons, the same lifestyle. Work hard, play hard. Because life is short and hard like a bodybuilding elf. We can't go carrying around all these stresses, many of which are just the standard old shit. Work, boss, bills to pay. And some of the stuff we create, you know, relationship issues and whatever. Don't take care of ourselves and we have health issues. Man, we just, at the end of the day, we just want to go wet, go sit on the couch and drink a friggin' beer. It's a very American thing to do, very human thing to do. I think that alcohol, spirits, beer, wine, the Egyptians drank friggin' beer and wine, you know? Thousands, if not tens of thousands of years, there's been spirits that were concocted. Maybe hundreds of thousands of years. Something. Probably. Millions of years. Life forms have been, maybe humanoid life forms, have been eating this little frickin' berry over here, or smoking this plant, or doing whatever, just to try to find a little respite from the world. I think you get the point. Anyway, I have some friends that uh, are in a real bad way with addiction right now, with addiction to alcohol. I have a friend that I've known since sixth grade. We grew up playing sports together and running around town together and eventually grew up and dated some of the same girls and ran the same crew surfing down the beach sowing our royal oats and then we joined the Marine Corps together because we were little bastards, we were in trouble a lot or just trying to find ourselves as young men do and we joined the Corps together together, and for 13 weeks I stood across and saw my friend my pride my roots staring me in the face between screams online Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. All the friggin' little isms, all the little customs and courtesies, the hard training, all that shit. Through the Paris Island sun and the early morning dew and the smelly smell of swamps and sweat and screams. Me and my buddy were together once again. Finally, you know, we served, we did our four years, we got out, and then we're deposited back on the shores of, of our youth, our hometown, 
some sort of, something's got to shake. What are we going to do with our lives? So he went and did his thing, and I went off and did my thing, left the community, moved out to Pennsylvania here, started families, all this shit, and living hard, working hard, playing hard, trying to get by, just like the rest. In our spare times, we partied, we drank. Once again, trying to find that painless place. Well, it shit gets out of hand, is the ultimate point. One of the main themes of this uh, conversation. And it got out of hand. It got out of hand for me. For years, I, you know, I never got a DUI. I never ruined a relationship or a job or anything like that, as far as I know. But, man, when the day was done and I busted my ass sufficiently whatever job was my charge I was freaking looking for the liquor store looking to pick up that six pack, twelve pack of beer or bottle of whatever it's just what you did and when you're 20 or 30 years of age it's kind of cool kind of expected or turning to alcohol kind of, you can see how it balances out, just a frenzy of life like, you've got all this energy you're looking for love. You're looking for me. Maybe to start a family. You're trying to negotiate that whole relationship thing. You're trying to make your way in the work world, establish yourself. And there's just so much. You're broken from your, your family family, probably, and you're trying to start your own. There's a lot of shit going on. It's very stressful, very exciting. But it's too much. So it's for 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, they're still living that social thing their respite from the world is to go out to the bar and meet all their friends and what's going on and who's dating who and all that shit. But when you're 40 and 50 and 60 and you're still lining up at the package store, it gets disgusting, okay? It starts to be a shame. You get a sense that the hooks are sunk into an individual and this is just like it's part of your life. It's such a part of your life like it, it to the point where it's something you can't not do. You have to drink. And it's prior to that point, well before and that you you have a problem. You you are habituated to this substance. So for as an attention getter after all that little foundation. My friend has been in and out of rehab, I don't know man, half a dozen times, ten times. He's there right now. Stories of the shit that he's been pulling and, you know, not working and not leaving the house and riding to the, to the spirit shop on a bicycle so he doesn't get a DUI. You know, the impact this is having on his family, his relationship, his marriage, his friends. People have seen this so many different, so many times and been there to pick him up when he fell. And it happens again. And then you start to get annoyed. And then you don't feel so bad for the addict. Right? I know that people have seen this in various forms. Far beyond this. Maybe with hard drugs like heroin or cocaine or whatever. Unspeakable substances that you know that you 
prescription meds that you, you don't even want to talk about it. That's probably my uh, why I did not complete this podcast until now. I just couldn't put it into words. I was so disgusted, so disappointed and depressed about it. But it's fucking lives up, man. You know, when you drive to work this morning and you see people, you know, or you're out and about before midday, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, there's people at the frickin' liquor store, man. Maybe some are retirees, maybe some are planning for that weekend where, you know, they're going to have family coming over and they're going to select a couple wines for dinner or... But most people are just fucking addicts, man. They need something so bad that before the sun even sets, they're thinking about this product that they they don't just want to buy. They have to buy it in order to feel a certain way. Like, I want that experience. I want... Last night, man, I just freaking chilled out and watched a little Netflix, hung out with the family, had, you know, talking with the neighbor, having a few beers. You want to have that experience again. It becomes part of your life. And this substance is what drives it. It's what makes it possible. It's what lubricates your mind, chills you out a little bit, so that you can just breathe easy and maybe be a little sociable. Reduce some inhibitions. So you can just relax. And then you're asleep. You wake up the next morning with a little cotton mouth. Maybe a mild hangover, depending upon how much you consumed. And you do it again, and you do it again, and again, and again. And it's as much part of your life, becomes as much a part of your life as, you know, your identity, who you are, what your, what's your name, what kind of work do you do, your family. This is part, you, this is part of your schedule. And you, know, you wake up in the morning, you freaking put the pot of coffee on, you get a little breakfast in you, you pack your shit, get the car running, head on down to work, get the commute, get through that, start your day, lunch break, midday. Somewhere in there is a stop to pick up booze. And I just feel like that there's this exogenous substance, there's this, this elixir that we feel we need in order to get by. It's like we're using it as a, alcohol as a medication, and it has been used across the centuries across millennia, no doubt, to treat certain disease processes. You know, used to be, you know, they say grandpa's old cough medicine. It was booze. It's how we cauterized wounds and killed pain and take a snort off of this. You know? And so, I don't know. It's just, it's that there's a consumer substance that people are buying by the gallon and the keg I think it's a beautiful thing in a way. I think it's part of human nature, once again, to find that painful place and to use this substance to get to arrive there. But beyond that, it starts to get creepy and disgusting. You know, pathetic. And that's my my buddy right now. He's probably feeling pretty pathetic. I've talked to him on a number of occasions. He'll call up and, you know, he's crying. You can tell he's been drinking and he's ashamed of what he, he's done, and here I'm trying to use every approach that I possibly can, you know, throwing every analogy I possibly can at him, like why he needs to beat this, why this is the time, and that, you know, kicking alcohol 
getting sober is just like anything hard that he's ever done. Joining the Marine Corps, serving for four years honorably. Playing and winning in the sport of your choosing. Finishing what you start. Seeing a job to completion. You know, that this is a battle. That this is a a war that's being waged. And are you going to win? Because I've seen you win before. I've seen the quality of work that you have. I've seen your work ethic. I know you're smart. I know you're resourceful. I know you're a good person. You've come very far. But this fucking thing is a beast. It's a demon that you have to kill. Because it's become a tremendous problem. I mean, just a bad alcoholic. Just a plastic, grain alcohol drinking by the lowest bidder purchase at the spirit shop with the same old clerks looking at you. Numb. They might as well be drunk because the people that are coming in to this store are poisoning themselves. Some people really bad. It's kind of cute when people are you know, putting all their stuff up in preparation for the holiday weekend or something like that. They're getting their their uh, their spirits lined up. Maybe they'll make a little margaritas and everybody's hanging out and getting a little toasty around the pool or the barbecue. And that's that's I think that's great in a sense. But when that goes off the rails, it's just fucking horrible, man. So this is what can happen. And we all know people like this. We all know people who've got multiple DUIs and broken marriages and kids don't see them, non-child support paying fucks, not working. I mean, I could tell you stories. My time in growing up in my little working class town of Forked River, New Jersey. The guys riding on bicycles. Construction guys riding on bicycles, going to the job site on friggin' a bicycle because they didn't have a job or they didn't have a, a license. Yeah, I'm not driving now, so you see them with their cut-off jean shorts and work boots and a tank top with their little lunch pail on the back that their girlfriend or their wife have prepared for them. They're riding a bike in America where everybody should have four wheels. and an engine to propel them safely to work or to whatever task is on their plate. Riding bikes, long friggin' mullet hairdos, tattoos all over them, suntan, well beyond suntan, leathery skin. You look in their eyes and they're bloodshot. The most powerful thing in their life more than family or the wa- or a wage or whatever seems to be their penchant their habituation towards alcohol it's the fucking disgusting then in the marine corps hey we're all young and cutting loose and all that shit again unbridled testosterone and energy and aggression and pecking order and all this stuff man we got out of the field after being in the marine corps infantry by day Go out, come out of the field after a week. We freaking were looking to get fucked up. We had cases and cases of beer and bottles of whatever, and be in the barracks hanging out, fucking around, or we'd have been head down to Myrtle Beach and look up to get drunk and get laid and get in a fight or whatever. 
And then there were the guys who were 10, 20 years beyond us in the service. And you saw their broken marriages and their broken dreams and their loss of rank and all this stuff. And it just wasn't as cutesy, you know. Almost expected of a young Marine to go out and do stupid shit. But once you put some time in, it's fucking pathetic. But I saw these people and you saw them, you all know them. You can name them if you weren't so determined to put them out of your mind. I'll, I'll finish with uh, the story of another friend. I don't know him too well, but he's, he's a friend. He um, presented to me the other day. I knew he's had problems with alcohol. I knew that he had a hospitalization and he was, went to rehab a while back. I knew he was in AA. He's on the trans, he's on the freaking waiting list for a liver transplant, my friends. Not even 40 years of age. Walking around shaking like a leaf, having no appetite, having no job. Relationships, I'm sure, are suffering. A lot of people now have to take care of a grown man, have to be concerned about him because his health is failing at such a young age. Why? Because of an addiction. And it is a disease process. And it doesn't just hurt the addict. It hurts everybody standing around watching. But still, this substances, these substances are powerful enough where we think that we can use them responsibly. And maybe we're right. Maybe we can... I mean, I, I, I had a drinking problem once upon a time, but I was never drinking you know, crazy... Uh, amounts of grain alcohol, or once again, I don't think I, I hurt anybody or myself to a great extent, comparatively, that I, I'm aware others have. And in this sense, I'm not bragging about that, but in this sense, um, the drinking problem that I had was a matter of having had a, a low bottom, bottom, like when, when are you going to hit bottom? Because they say that a lot of times that's what takes it takes for an addict to heal completely is when they hit bottom. When they finally learn their lesson, when they finally feel enough pain, have hurt themselves and have hurt others around them to the extent where they just can't do it anymore. And they have an epiphany and they go to AA or they go to church or they go whatever. They lose everything in order to wake up from this trance. And so, I've been thinking about these two men. These two men who are suffering so greatly. They're good fucking guys who have much to contribute to this world. And I just wish that it was within my power or the power of all those that stand around watching the carnage to say, you know what, I think we're done now. And put your hand on their shoulder and say, all right, let's find something else to turn our attention to. You can no longer do this, you know? It just seems like a car crash that everybody sees coming, but nobody can stop. So, it's a bummer. 
to have to talk about this, but the tough conversations, they always are bummers. It's very, very difficult. Making motivation. What's motivating about addiction? I guess the sense that it gets your attention. It's an obstacle that we must surmount. A demon that we must kill if we want to live. And we want the best for everybody around us. For our own health and well-being and productivity and so on and so forth. You know, life is a bitch. I was driving the other day, you know, I like to do put words in people's mouths while we're driving with the family and uh, you see somebody out there, you know, you, you kind of m- mimic or mime what you think they might be talking about as you drive by. And I saw this guy who was on a bike and he was all broken down and friggin' like Sunday morning, I don't know where the hell we were going to a football game or something, Saturday morning. Guy was on a bike all friggin' stubbly and tattered and looked like hell and I said something like life's a bitch ain't life a bitch and I don't know in that there's a message it is a bitch it can be a bitch you know it's funny but it's not funny (laughs) you know so these two men, though, I'll tell you, I've been I've been there for them. I'm proud of that. I'll stand with them in their darkest days. But you also want them to stand for themselves and, and muster the strength, get better, muster the strength to improve and to move on and do what they dream and to make the people in their life proud to associate with them, proud to be their, their wife, child, friend, to want them to come around, to want them to be in their life, for them to be able to be productive members of society. It's important not to look down our noses at people like this or make fun of them because it ain't funny, man. There's a lot of it happening out there and some of it flies under the radar just because life is such a freaking crazy blur. You say, listen, man, I went out there Labor Day went out to a restaurant, had a a couple beers and a a burger with my family. You know, I haven't given up alcohol altogether, but I'm very, very wary and very smart. And I remind myself of my story, you know, which was essentially juggling everything that I juggle, being a little bit neurotic, feeling like I have the world's, the weight of the world on my shoulders running a business and running a family and doing everything I do we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and so what I would do is come home and I'd drink a bottle of wine and then the small bottle became too little and so I grabbed a large bottle and that was my rhythm and then one morning I woke up and that little hangover that I would have and it would fade by by mid-morning it didn't go away I felt like I was having a panic attack or something, or I felt like I was having a heart attack, so felt disgusted, felt dehydrated, felt ashamed, with the ER, turned out it was a panic attack, and they 
you're sitting in the ER, this is around the new year. So this is like my last hurrah, so to speak. And after that, I was going to get on my health kick and all that stuff. And I sat there in the ER in the waiting room amid a dozen other so men mostly shaking and screaming and all kinds of shit hungover acting stupid and I thought man look at this fucking craziness look at this company that I keep and that was my scared straight so I didn't have to lose everything in order to get there I did attend one I had reached out to a friend who I knew had issues before I reached I went to one um AA meeting with him and this was like a lunch hour on a weekday maybe Friday on a weekday or Friday around noon and just like it was an appointment just like it was something that you know you did just like eating lunch all these people would gather at this church or this community center and it was suggested to me that as in the 10 mile radius there's at least 10 of these meetings happening. At least one per mile, probably more of these AA meetings. People trying to wrestle their disease process and, and win and admitting they've got problems and trying to constructively solve them. And I looked around at all these people and met all their stories and as I left that meeting, I knew that this is something, a life that I could never live, like lesson learned, you know? And as I pulled away and drove back down to work or wherever hell I was going, I passed a spirit shop. And on the lunch hour on Friday, there's freaking lines forming at the liquor store. And I'm saying to myself, geez, what a fucking, what a joke. Like, not to the point of prohibition. You know, it shouldn't be an illegal substance. I don't think anything should be. But we need to find ways to, to really effectively treat this because it's fucking a lot of people up, man. And so, I hope and pray that people in my life, my family, my friends, my children, those people I care about never have to deal with anything like this. And I think of my friends, one who's in rehab right now for the 10th time and the other who's on a waiting list for a liver transplant because his primary organ of detoxification is fucked before 40 years of age. To take care of yourselves, take care of one another.